So as we've been saying in these last few weeks together, we have been talking as a church about what it means and what it looks like for us to be, as the Bible says, the body of Christ. And what we've seen is that the Bible speaks of each local church, not each individual Christian, but Christ's universal church and each local church as being Christ's body. Which means that Christ is with us, he's in us by his spirit, and he works through us. And that for each one of us, as Christians, we are unique and needed body parts who together make up a local, local body of Jesus Christ. And so that's what we've been seeing from God's word, which, which practically then, as we talked about last week, applies to us in that number one, we each need to know then that this whole idea of local churches and being active body parts or members in local churches is God's idea. And number two, that each one of us as Christians need to know that God does not intend for us just to attend a church service. Though that's great. But in the Bible, this whole idea is that he intends each of us to be active body parts in local church bodies. Which is why, and one last thing as review from last week, it's why I ended last week summarizing so much of this by saying that biblically, meaning from God's own breath himself, it's actually not that the Bible talks about Jesus' followers as going to church. We talk like that, and in some ways that's fine, but that usually does create in us a wrong view. Because... Uh, last week, this, this thing has happened to a lot of us, especially because we're in a culture of a lot of performance and entertainment and shows. And so we can start to subtly, and this has happened for a lot of Christians, if not most, we can start to think that church is mainly a service that we go to. But if you remember, that's basically what we saw the Bible teach against in verses 15 and 16 last week, where people can look at certain body parts, like those on stage, and think they're really the body. Because that happens when we start to view church as mainly the pastor or those on staff, or especially the church service, while we just attend. And so again, this is review, but we finished what we said last week. Biblically, and we don't really go to church only. But rather, in God's word, followers of Jesus together are the church. We are the church. And so instead of just going to church, according to how God plans and talks about his church and the word, we should all think, I'm a part of, a body part of this church. And so that's what we've been seeing together for the last few weeks. But then now to bring us to this week, as you heard in the scripture reading, as for what we'll see this week, Paul here is going to be talking about the body of Christ, of course, and he's going to continue to talk about us being body parts, but now specifically in this passage, he's going to take this whole idea that we are all one body, which as we'll talk about was actually a known analogy that was used back then by certain politicians and philosophers. He's going to take that idea and he's going to turn it on its head concerning what people used to think back then it meant to be part of a body. Meaning, if that's a little bit confusing, back then, just so you know, even before Paul, certain people in history, like Aristotle and others, also used this analogy of a body for certain groups. But what we're going to see this morning is Paul will take what they usually taught about a bunch of people being a body, that concept, and he's going to basically flip the script on it. And quickly, almost as a brief side note on all of this, I just hope we 
know because this, this helps us really love and appreciate God's word, that this really is God's word. There are actually a lot of things in our Bibles, from our Bibles, that we are now used to, right? Thousands of years later, but which at the time were really revolutionary and have, and have changed the world. Meaning there is a lot in our Bibles which at the time were turning things on their heads or flipping the scripts on certain ideas. For example, just because this might help you love your word. For example, this happens even from page one of our Bibles. Because right away in Genesis 1, the Bible says, everyone is made in the image of God. And you hear that. And for us, we're now used to such equality like that. Right? In our thinking, even in our culture, in our country. But that was a huge deal back then. Because I hope you know, in the non-biblical, all the non-biblical creation accounts from other cultures, the normal person was not that important, and especially not made in God's image. Instead, it was the emperors and the pharaohs and such who were made in God's image. But again, in the Bible, right away from page one, everyone is equal and made in the image of God. And, or, for example, think about things like the of men and women, which is also on page one in Genesis 1, with men and both being made in the image of God, which was a big deal. And that's in the New Testament over and over with Paul, for example, in 1 Corinthians here, writing, for example, that the husband has authority over his wife's body and the wife has authority over the husband's body, which was revolutionary equality back then 2,000 years ago. Or finally, just think about things, how there's a whole book in the New Testament, the letter of Philemon, which is Paul essentially asking for a Roman slave to be set free, which again was revolutionary at the time. And so that's almost a side note. But the point is, there are a lot of things in our way of thinking as people now, 2,000 years later. And there's even a lot in our culture that we're now all used to. But it really is because the God-inspired biblical writers back then drastically changed certain cultural norms and ideas. And I bring that up because, again... Concerning our text this morning, that's the case here in our passage as well, as you're going to see. Because now, with all that said, as a, as a bit of background on this idea of people being body, as I said a few minutes ago, theology was something Paul did not just make up. Instead, it was used by people like Plato and Plutarch and Aristotle to talk mainly about the polis, the political realm, especially concerning how citizens should relate to those in government. But back then, their combined idea of this people on the body was different than what we're about to read. Because first, as a starting point, they, it was taught back then that everyone was needed. And that is similar to what we're about to read here in 1 Corinthians 12. So that's similar. But then, second, back then it was taught that everyone was needed so that the strong and the important government officials could be supported. Meaning, for example, the peasants and the slaves needed to work hard and be strong enough so that the more important body parts, those in government or those in philosophy, could do their job. And then third, the body analogy back then implied that, sure, everyone is needed, but really there's a hierarchy with the ultimate goal of caring for those who were most important and in charge. And so that really was the common idea. If you think about it, that truly has been the common thought in most societies in world history. The higher people are much more important. And the lower are really there to serve and work for the higher. But now, quickly compare that to what Paul is about to teach here in God's word. Because again, it was and it is revolutionary. 
Because think about it. We could imagine that perhaps Paul, who remember at this point is in a position of a lot of authority as an apostle of Jesus Christ, as someone who wrote scripture, for example, right? We could imagine him taking this analogy and basically using it the same way that people did back then. Meaning we could perhaps imagine Paul saying, yes, in the church, we are all body parts and needed, but the lesser body parts, remember, are there to provide for the important people like me as an apostle or people in positions of authority. That's why you lowly body parts exist. And that would be the application if he didn't turn this idea on its head. But he doesn't say, say that. And really, it's changed the world. Because instead, what does Paul teach here? Well, first, he teaches that in this paragraph that everyone is needed, which is similar to what they taught back then with the body analogy. But then he turns the reason for all the body parts on its head. Because then second, he goes on to talk about how the more outward and seemingly important body parts aren't necessarily more important or honorable at all. Rather, he teaches we're all important and we can't judge who is more important from the outside appearance. And even those who seem to be weak, he's about to say, may be the most honorable. And so that was revolutionary. But then not only that, third, as we're going to see in this paragraph, he finishes by talking about how the goal of all of this isn't just to care for the really important or higher people. But see it for yourself at the end of verse 25. Look down your Bibles for the first time. The goal is, quote, that the members, the body parts, may have the same care for one another. <laughs> Meaning the goal is everyone here is important and we're here to care in the same way for everyone. <laughs> Which was revolutionary. And now again, we're used to that, that equality. That is something we're so ingrained in our mindsets now, which is a good thing. But that's because the 2,000 years ago taught an importance over and over. And specifically, and here's the really cool point before we get to our text, specifically, this revolutionary equal care body example was modeled in the early church which is part of why Christianity took over the world, because it's true, and it was so appealing in local churches, and that's supposed to be the case of our local churches today. Which finally, though, does bring us to our outline for how we'll go through this paragraph more fully together. So in basic, we sort of already covered our outline, but just now to make it clear, we'll have three sections as we go through this paragraph and God's word together. Three sections. First, in verse 21, we will see the Bible start with that foundational idea that everyone is needed, that we truly do need everyone, and, and that's something quite important to actually believe. And then second, in verse 22 through 24, we'll see Paul make that revolutionary point about how those who we perceive as more important and honorable may not actually be the case, as we're all important and needed. Which then will lead us third in verses 25 and 26 to see some goals of a body being like this. And so in some, first, how we're all truly needed. Second, how we can't prejudge who is more honorable because we're all actually important. And then third, we'll see some goals of a body being like this. But all that said, let's then begin our first section together, church. And here, again, we'll see the basic but powerful truth that in this church body, in any church body, we all truly do need each other. And for this, it'll be in just verse 21. So look down at your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, 
I have no need of you. And so in one sense, this is a simple verse to understand, but it has big implications for how we actually think about one another. But to start on it, notice Paul here is using actual body parts again, right? And he will continue to do so. But on this verse specifically, him using the body parts that he does is helpful because in the verse, as you can see, once again, he has two pairs of parts there, right? Two pairs of body parts. And they're intentionally parts that we might be prone to think are not really connected at all and don't really need one another. And if you're following, I say that because, for example, think about it. The first pair is the eye and the hand, right? The eye and the hand. And being so different, in a way, we could imagine the eye saying to the hand, look, my job is to see. And therefore, hand, I have no need. But Paul's point really is, that's not true. And that is way too simplistic. Because remember, as we started talking about last week, the goal of a body isn't to just have each of its body parts do its own things. But rather, the goal of a body is to be a healthy, unified, whole functioning body. And so for the eye to say to the hand, although the hand doesn't directly impact it does, that it doesn't need the hand, doesn't, would be wrong because it's not understanding that the goal is to be a whole functioning body. Right? And the same then is true for the head and the feet in this verse. Because again, we could imagine the head being all the way up here and being responsible for more cognitive things. We could imagine that it could start to think, I don't need the feet all the way down there. But again, remember, the goal of a body isn't for just its body parts to do its own thing. Instead, the goal is to be a healthy, functioning body. And so if the head wants this body to be moving around, which is quite important for a body... It needs the feet. And for us then, that's, that's basically the application for each one of us as well. Because, because think about it, the truth is we each do have different gifts and personalities and talents and abilities and such. We all do. And let's be clear, like our own bodies and body parts, it is true that in a church, we each are more prone to get to know and share our gifts with and have closer relationships with certain people in the church who are closer to us, which is okay. And for example, like with our bodies, how our heads are in much closer connection with our necks, right? And that's okay and even good because nothing in the Bible says, to be clear, that we need to have the same exact type of relationship with each member in the church. But that said, the point of this verse here is that when we have those relationships with those who are closer to us, we also need to realize that concerning those maybe who are furthest from us, in gifts or age or background or whatever, we still need them as well. And I mean really need them, and they really need us. We all need one another, brothers and sisters, in this church. That's how a body works. And so that's the main application of this verse. We really all need each other. But that said, before we move on, I do think we can take that a little bit deeper. Because if you remember, again, last week we talked about how we don't just need one another's body parts to do, but we also need one another just to be, right? A healthy, connected local church. And I do want to spend a couple more minutes on that idea again, because I think it really applies here to this verse 21 and this idea of need, this difference, if you will, between doing and just being. And here's what I mean, if that's confusing. So first, concerning how we all need one another, it is true that to a degree, we need one another to do, 
to do. And all I'm meaning by that is it is true that as body parts, many are called to us to do things for this church as a whole or in this church. And really, I don't want to downplay any of that because that is so important. For example, at, at this church, many of you do not see all the doing that happens. Right? For example, we have, we have two deacons here, and they both do a lot, right? often behind the scenes. And they do things that if they, these things weren't done, the church would not function the way it does. Right? And so the church is really thankful for them. And the same is true and should be said of our elders who do a lot. Right? And the same is true for so many of you women and men who serve, for example, in, in prepping the food each Sunday for the fellowship hall downstairs. Right? And the same is true, for example, for those of you who have stepped up and, and lead us in musical worship every Sunday. And the same is true for all of you who faithfully serve in the children's ministry, some of them who are down there right now, who, which is not easy work. Right? And the same is true for those of you who have recently talked to me and said you wanted to step up and serve and who are doing things in many ways. And the, and the list could go on. Because the truth is, even for a church our size, trust me, there is a lot of doing. Right? Beautiful, Jesus-glorifying service and doing. Right? And we do need people like that to do, and even more. Right? Like signing up to be a greeter. We need more in the children's ministry or helping with our outreach events coming up and more. And so, and so let's be clear, that is really important. And though, with that being 100% true, what also is true is that again, to be a healthy body, thinking about it, meaning to be a church body that is full of healthy body parts that are connected and working together, we can't just think of all the ways we can do official things for the church like everything I just listed. Again, we're also thankful for all of that, but remember, a body just also needs to be, be healthy and flourish. And that means that the body parts don't just need to do for the church as a whole, but perhaps just as important or more important, it means that the body parts just need to get to know and be involved in life with some other body parts and just be the body. Not necessarily even in this church building. Let me, let, me, let me say that again. It means the body parts just need to get to know. Right? And be involved with some other body parts and just be the body. And now, let's be honest. Some of that may look more mundane right, than some of the more outward things that we've been talking about. Because this would include less seen things. right? Like just sending a text message or going out for coffee or prayers in private. Or having people in your home. But the point is, I hope you see, need one another like that as well. Right? Not just to do official related church things, but we need to get to know one another, to be involved with one another, to be a healthy body. Or to say it one last way before we move on to our second section. We all need each other, brothers and sisters, but we don't just need what we can do for one another. Instead, this should be encouraging, we need who God has made each of us to be. Right, and I'm, I'm really pressing this home because think about it. And this happens a lot in churches. If, if a local church views its body partship, whatever you want to call it, is just what I can do for this church, it's, it's a good start. That's a good start. But if that were it, we'd be missing the fact that we're individual people who are meant to know as body parts each other and get involved in each other's lives for our good and for Jesus' glory. We're not supposed to do this alone. Right, so that's the goal. That's how we truly all need one another. 
We need what each other can do, yes, but we need who each other is. Which should, as we've been saying throughout this whole series again, be both convicting and encouraging. Convicting, perhaps because it does show us that many of us probably could spend more time and energy as an active body part in this body, right, with other people. But then also, hopefully encouraging, because it does mean that we each do really matter. And again, not just in what you can do for the church, but we each matter in who God has made us to be. And so that's our first section. We truly do. I hope you feel all need one another. But now let's move on to our second section. And here we'll see Paul continue in the paragraph. And now we'll really start to see him, as I've been saying, flip this common body idea on its head from back then. Because here we're going to see him talk about how we can't prejudge and decide who is important or more worthy of things like honor because of outward appearances. And now for this, we're going to be in those next three verses in verses 22 through 24. And what we're going to do here is to understand them. We're just going to quickly take each verse one at a time. And then after that, we'll come back and see how it all applies to us. So we'll begin in just verse 22. So look down to your Bible's church, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 22. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. So notice, Paul brings up the ideas of weakness and being indispensable here. And that's, those are both powerful language. Because back then, right, with this body idea, remember, it was taught that everyone was indispensable. Sure, but the idea was that the indispensable lower people need to be strong enough to provide for the more honorable and important people. But here in God's church, that, that idea is almost flipped because it's those who are weak, the Bible says, who are indispensable. And to be clear, he's here in this section talking about the church and also about how God has organized our human bodies to represent the church. Because his point is, even with our bodies, Right? Think about it. It's not just the strong muscles that matter a lot. <laughs> Meaning just because something really looks outwardly strong does not mean it is more important. Right? Because in reality, things like our eyes and our ears and our noses may not be defined as strong, but they're quite important. And not only that, though, but finally in this verse, the Bible here is also saying that on top of that, even what we perceive to be weak may not actually be as weak as we think, <laughs> right? Because we see that with that idea there, that word there, seem, in verse 22. Because the parts to us that seem weaker may not actually be as weak as we think, right? Like how a foot isn't an impressively giant bicep muscle, but it is strong enough to bear the weight of our whole bodies. And so you can see the point. Like, who are we then to say that because this part just looks weaker or seems weaker, that they aren't as important? And in fact, flipping the script, having supposed weakness here may actually show that that body part deserves special honor and especially important. But that now leads us to verse 23. So look down there now, and we may actually read all of verse 23 and into the middle of verse 24. So it's because it's the same uh, sentence. So look down to verse 23. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. We'll stop there. So now, as you can see, in, the addition, in addition to these ideas of weakness and being indispensable, the Bible here adds the ideas of honor and modesty. And the point is, first, concerning honor, right? we may think that certain parts are not honorable at first, 
meaning their body parts and our bodies are in our church that may not be as outwardly noticeable as others. But then, once we understand their role, we may, seem that they, we may see that they deserve greater honor. Right, so that's the first half of the verse. But then to follow that up in the second half, most scholars will point out that what, hap- what seems to be going on here is that that concept from the first half is being especially exemplified in how Paul writes about our, quote, unpresentable parts, by which he almost certainly is talking about our, our private areas. Because his point is, first, such unpresentable parts to us, they at first may not seem honorable. Right? Especially because by definition, it's a good example, by definition they are unpresentable. And yet he's saying we do treat them with honor and even modesty. Which is interesting because that Greek word there for modesty can also be the word for beauty. And so think about it. It's a brilliant analogy. The point is there's parts of our bodies and there are parts of our local bodies of Jesus Christ that may not seem as presentable. And may then by us wrongly be seen as less honorable. But in fact, it may well be that they deserve special honor. And that they are especially beautiful to this body. Which finally leads us to the rest of verse 24. So look down there and finish this section, the rest of verse 24. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. So if you're here, if you remember from verse 18 last week, Paul brought God into that paragraph and he finally brings God into this paragraph as well. And his point is concerning all this about our bodies and about this local church body, remember, it is God who so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. Meaning God himself has set up our bodies and set up the local church in such a way where, where think about it, you can't merely look at a human body. Say you've never seen one before. You can't merely look at a human body and just be like, ah, I can see what's most important. (laughs) You just can't. And honestly, that would be silly. Because just by looking at a human body, you can't tell what's actually going on and what's more important and honorable. And yet, with the church... His point is we can do that wrongly all the time. We can look at outward things alone and just start to think, ah, those things and those people must be the most important and honorable here. But this whole section is saying, no, 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 we can't do that. Because just like our physical bodies are way more complex than that, so is the local body of Christ. And so that's verses 22 through 24. And the application for you and I is pretty basic. But we need to press it home. And it's as we've been saying, this section clearly shows us, church, that we cannot prejudge just because we think that someone or what they offer looks outwardly good or it doesn't look as outwardly good as we think. Because again, people and churches are more complex than that. And quickly quickly on this, as perhaps the best example of what's going on here, a couple of people I I read this week pointed out that perhaps the simplest and best example of this principle is someone who really prays a lot. Prays a lot for this church and people in this church. Because think about it, private prayer, by definition, isn't an outward thing. And yet... For those of us who do that, and I, and I pray more and more of us, maybe you're being convicted right now, I pray more and more of us do do that. 
For those who do that, who can fathom, right? The unforeseen, genuine benefit to the whole church body and those in it such praying actually has. Right? And so it is with many gifts. Right? For example, you may not be here on stage on Sunday mornings, but only the Lord can truly weigh the importance of a really loving and timely text that you send somebody. Right? Or the beauty of having someone over into your house for dinner. Right? And so again, the point is, who are we to prejudge? Right? And not only that, though, but even more so, the point really is God has set up the church to work this way. And so that means if, if we are prejudging or thinking that some people just don't seem like they really matter, we're going against God's ways. And as an encouragement, on the other hand, it means that if we feel weak, that's really okay. Because see it for yourself in God's word, weakness may just prove that you're especially needed and honorable in this church. So that's our first two sections, church, and most of our paragraph. Finally, that leads us to our third section. And to be honest, if we were teaching slowly through 1 Corinthians 12, just as a book, we could perhaps spend a whole message on this. Because as you're about to see, verse 26 especially is just beautiful. But you just understand these verses as a conclusion here to this paragraph and how this relates to being the body of Christ. Now in verses 25 and 26, we essentially see Paul give three goals concerning everything we just saw. Three goals. But first, let's just read the paragraph and our verses and finish the paragraph. Verses 25 and 26. That there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So so why does this all really needing one another and being involved in one another's lives really matter? What's the goal? Well, perhaps you saw in there the three things, three goals. First, This all matters because if we're really involved in each other's lives, church, and if we're really active body parts in this local church, the goal is that there'll be, quote, no division in the body. And this is true of our physical bodies as well, and it's especially true of local church bodies, because in reality, so much division takes place when we essentially deny everything that we saw last week and this week. Meaning division can happen when we all of a sudden make church less about the way God has chosen his church to be and the way God has composed the body and we make it more about how we want to do it. Or when we think that we're so important that we don't need others or when we think that we don't really matter. All of that can cause division in the body because that would be the body parts not actually being active connected body parts as they're supposed to be. Right? So that's the first and obvious goal. It's a healthy, non-divided body. Right? But that's not it. That's in a sense the lowest goal because it's one thing to just not be divided. But then further, the goal number two in verse 25, as you can see, and we already talked about, is to quote, all have the same care for one another. And as we talked about when we opened, that idea was revolutionary. Right, because it's one thing for the, the, the less important parts to really care for the more important parts. That was taught back then. But the same care idea was profound. But that's what the Bible's teaching for us. And think about how this would work for us. If, if, if we really believed and knew that we all need one another. And if we really don't prejudge who's more important than others. Because we know we all matter then of course we will seek to have this same care for everyone. 
Now again, that does not mean that we should have the same type or level of relationship with every person. Because that's not possible nor wise. But it does mean just logically every single person in this body is important and everyone matters and that we're all different but we're needed and supposed to be connected and that therefore everyone here is to be really loved and cared for in a similar way. And finally on this, the beautiful thing is as as a church, brothers and sisters, becomes more and more like that, like by God's grace, I believe we are here at ECC, Right, the more and more we become like that, really caring for one another, then what happens in a local church is, number one, every one of us has a bunch of people trying to love and care for us. And number two, each of us gets the joy of getting to really know and love other people. Right, that's the community that God envisions his churches to be. Which finally leads us to the third and last goal in verse 26. And again, we could spend a lot longer on this. It's a beautiful verse, but this really is the pinnacle. Because this, in a way, is what such unity and care would actually look like. And hopefully does look like. And so what is it? Well, as you can see, it's being so unified. Right? And caring so much about one another. That when one person suffers, we all suffer. Because we care so much about them. Meaning we can't watch them suffer without us feeling some sort of pain. Right? Which will lead us to further care and further pray for and further love each other. But that's not all. We all suffer together, but also fascinatingly, the Bible here says the goal is that if one is honored, then we all rejoice together. Right? And both of those things are a big deal because suffering with one another is a beautiful, it's beautiful in how it shows how there can be such connectedness in a local body. But for that last thing there, this idea of rejoicing at someone else's honor is revolutionary because it's another one of those things where the Bible kind of turns culture on its head. Right? Because think about it, in our, in, our, in our nature, our sinful nature now, and in almost every single culture, it's competitive. It's a dog-eat-dog world. It's I want the honor. And I want it over them. What the Bible says here about the body of Christ, what that's supposed to mean is that when something benefits someone else, when they're honored, man, we love them so much that that gives us joy, all of us. It's not a competition. Instead, we're all in this together. We are saved by Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And in response, out of love for Jesus, we are all trying to continually trust Jesus, love one another, love the world, fight sin, share Jesus, and keep on keeping on together. And so again, there's no competition between us. Rather, we are all so connected and we're all so for one another. That when someone suffers, we all feel it. And when someone else is honored, man, we love it. (laughs) And so that's our passage, church. And really, I hope you're feeling is a revolutionary passage. Showing us that we all really do matter and need one another. And it's a beautiful passage showing what the goal and result of being like this looks like. And it's a beautiful community of unity, mutual care, and even feeling one another's pains and joys. Which all leads us, as we now come to a close, to two final practical takeaways from all this. Two practical takeaways. And and these sort of rehash some of the things that we've already been talking about this morning. But I just want to make these practical to make sure that we really understand what this means for us. And how we can now go and apply God's word. So two practical takeaways. First, 
We should take away from all of this that everything we've been seeing this morning really is a revolutionary and perhaps new way to look at and think about one another in this church. Really, just a way to look at one another and think about each other in this church. Because what we have been seeing through God's word for four weeks now is that we need to know that for us here at ECC, God is in control of our lives and of our church, and he has brought each of us to this church in his providence. And for those of us who are members here, body parts, and, or for those of you who want to hopefully, Lord willing, soon be body parts members here, that does mean that we're all unique and needed body parts that all deserve care and love. And not only that, but as we saw this morning, it also means that we can't prejudge people. Because instead, we're to know that we all matter and we're all important. And so first, just practically, we need to really look at one another like this. (laughs) You need to start feeling, me as well, just thinking and feeling this to be true about everyone in here. And so that's the first practical takeaway. But then that leads, transitions to the second takeaway. It builds on the first. And it's not just to think and feel this about one another. That's a good starting point. But then to now really go. And because of that, get to know one another. Or to say it another way, not just to look at one another and know that I need you and you need me, but to now go and see how that is the case by getting to know them. And again, this will not mean, nor should it mean, equal relationships with everyone, but it does mean becoming really more involved with other people, other body parts, as God wants us to be. And that's why, by the way, we do encourage you to stay for something like the food and refreshments in the fellowship hall after the service. You never have to, of course, but we, we do encourage you because to be clear, just, just talking to someone after a church service once a week isn't the only way or the main way to build relationships. But it is a start, a good start. And so almost as an obvious but quick application from all of this, if you're just looking for a practical way to apply to yourself perhaps what God's word has said to us, come to the fellowship hall. Right? Sit with people that maybe you don't usually sit with and get to know them, knowing that they're a crucial body part just like you are. Right? Or if not that, whatever it takes, just make sure you apply this because in the end, the goal is to really look at one another like this and then to get to know others. Because finally, church, as we've been saying, yes, it is true that we hope we can and should serve more and do more at the church. And we're so thankful for so many of you who are doing that. But also, again, the point I'm hoping we're all seeing is that this isn't all about just serving. Instead, the goal really is verses 25 and 26. It is a unified, caring, so connected local body of Jesus Christ. A church that we don't just go to on Sundays, but a church body, a church family that we are a part of. And so let's do this together. Let's, let's keep doing this more and more. Let's, let's get to know one another more. Let's pray for one another more. Let's do things like get each other's numbers and text pe- people just to check in on them. Let's help one another more. Let's, let's feel one another's sorrows and joys. And let's overall just care for other people while we let other people care for us. Because again, we really do all need one another. God says so. And there is a beautiful community of unity, care, and love that we have here and that we are all more and more aiming at as a local body of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen, church. Let's pray.